Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be, wherever you are. We want to welcome you to Raymond's Wiki Podcast. My name is Craig Hagen. I'm your host here with T-Mac, Tony McKinnon. And we're excited about this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. Amen, Tony. Amen. I'm co-piloting, so we're not going to fly this in the ground. Yeah, amen. <laughs> we're so excited uh, to hear from you guys. In fact, we have a new email address, um, Rama Podcast at um, actually podcast at rama.org. I, I said it, podcast at rama.org. And just let us know about how much you like the program, how much you don't like the program, what you, some things you'd like us to talk about or people you might like us to interview and things like that. Also follow us on social media. In fact, um, we're going to put some behind the scenes thing on social media. You know, you can see our junk room of a, of a studio <laughs> here. Um, we're trying to clean it up a little, a little more each and every day. Um, but, um, you and know, Cliff even lit a candle in here today. Yeah, I, yeah. We 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 had some. What what do you call it? Um, essence or I don't know. It, um, aroma. 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 Yeah. 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 Well, probably essential oil infused. Essential oil probably kills COVID. Cost yeah. <laughs> Does COVID exist in 2021? Not in 2021. Yeah, I, I thought that was a 2020 yeah, thing. It's COVID 19. So yes. actually, it was old news in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm tired of the COVID thing, man. <laughs> But anyway, you know, um, we are on social media, um, on on um, Facebook and on Instagram, and we encourage you to follow us there at Raymond Podcast. But, but we're so excited once again today to have John Groomwall. And, and John, John is over many parts of, of the world for, for Rama. And so last time we kind of talked about his story about how he got here. And now today we're going to talk about Europe and then how that ended up with Africa and the Middle East. So, John, it's so good to have you here um, on the podcast once again. Good to be here with you guys. Yeah. So um, last time we talked about, you know, how you came from Greeley, Colorado to, you know, to hear just a young man and um, didn't know anything about the Bible and how when you came to Rama, it totally changed your life and, and how you weren't even felt, you didn't feel called to the ministry. You just wanted to learn more about the Bible and sure enough, all these years later, you're still in ministry and you're still working here with us at Rama. So tell us yeah. how, how you got to Europe, because that was the first yeah. the first step in the process. Yeah, I should say this, you know, I think. Well, of course, you want my airplane, but, you know. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah well, we did have people ask us uh, how long a drive is it to Germany from the U.S. <laughs> it's a pretty long drive and a wet one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I should say, you know, that. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned in the first uh, section of this that I met Michelle, who is my wife. We've been married over 40 years now. And we would probably be the two people least likely to do what we're doing today. Huh. Because God took two people who were introverts and uh, turned us into better people, leaders, and everything else that it takes to, to do what we're doing today. And it was a lot of work. Uh, yeah. I'm sure on his part, <laughs> his part. But, but definitely on our part. And because uh, neither of us had any desire to get behind a pulpit. Um, because Michelle worked here uh, in the data processing department at Rama for quite a number of years. When Maggie Wimmer was still here, she was one of Maggie's secretaries through the years and learned a lot. And I worked for some other ministries. I think that your grandfather and your dad both thought I worked here. At different times in meetings, they'd, they'd say something about the maintenance building. Isn't that right, John? And I'm going, I didn't work there. <laughs> and 
I think your dad one time he goes, yeah, you did. And I said, no, I didn't. He goes, yeah, you did. And I could tell his, he was thinking, what, but we asked you to do this stuff with Raymond because I thought you worked here. I could see the <laughs> gears cranking in his head. And I was like, no, I never worked here. And I did work for some other ministries as uh, the administrator. And that was all great background for us. And like I said, really, I, I loved the backside of ministry. And part of me still does. I like the building aspect of it, yeah. of building an organization and making it grow and, and then seeing lives change because of that. And I think one thing that if you, if you know John, um, he likes to train other leaders. I mean, he wants to, you know, leadership and training uh-huh. people, you know, because that's one thing, you know, here at Rama, we're always looking for the next person to go out to, the, to start the next school. And we'll talk about some of the schools mm-hmm. um, yeah. in, a, in a minute. But I mean, you know, that's one of, I know that's one of your, yeah. you know, your, your desires. And, and obviously, you know, because God taught you how to be a leader. And so yeah. you want to treat, you know, teach others. Yeah, I was not what you'd call a natural leader or a natural born leader by any means at all. Um, I, I did it and grew in it because it was a responsibility. Uh, if I was going to do what I was called to do, I had to become better at it. I remember, you know, I'd finally said to God in oh, early 1989, you know, and I'd graduated nine years before that. And I, I should mention about Europe in that time in the early 80s after Michelle and I were married and just back here. Um, Brother Hagen had prayer meetings on Monday nights in what is now uh, RMA, Rooker yeah. Memorial Auditorium. And that was our only auditorium at the time when yeah. we were in school. And there was no church here yet, and he had these prayer meetings, and when he would stand on stage up to his right, there was a map of the world. And there was a whole season of time that went by where he, uh, before we left, he said, everybody stretch your hands toward the map, we need to pray for Europe. And this is when the Iron Curtain hadn't come down yet. Cold War had been going on, Mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. So it was a it was it was a big deal to pray about. I mean, it had been prayed about forever. I imagine in the church, and uh, and then even sometimes he'd dismiss us and then he'd go, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, we need to pray for Europe, and we'd pray from the north of Norway to Sicily to Ireland to the Ukraine. And during that time, I guess the best way to say it is God put a seed in our heart, mm-hmm. and it was that one word. It was just Europe. We didn't know anything yeah. else. And there was, a, there was some graduates that were living around here at the time that were starting to travel over there more. And, you know, what do you do when you get a seed in your heart for something, right? Well, you yeah. can pray, and you should pray. But then if there's any steps that you can take in that direction right. to keep it fresh, yeah. do that. And so we helped numerous friends with whatever they needed so they could go to Europe to minister for a week or two weeks or a month. And if that meant taking them to the airport or doing their newsletters or mowing their grass or picking up their mail, we did it. It was just something that we could do to stay active in that direction. And during that whole time, I mean, we were thrilled to do that. We were happy. Um, If we'd have stayed doing that forever, we thought we'd have been happy. And, uh, you know, but on the inside, I knew I was not doing everything I should do. And I was dragging my feet on the whole speaking thing. And I, I actually said one day to God, and these are in the days of pagers before cell phones. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, God, I repent. I will quit dragging my feet. I will do anything you want me to do, even speaking. I said, but I don't know who would want me to speak. And I'm not kidding you. Ten days later, one day I'm out working, and you know, I, I look down at my pager, and it's a number. And it's somebody I recognize their number. I thought it was a minister. And I thought, huh, strange they would call me. 
And uh, so when I got back to a phone later, I I called and he said, "Hey, would you um, be uh, would you be interested in going to Terre Haute, Indiana, to minister?" And I was like, "God, of all the prayers, I don't want you to hear, and that's the one you hear and answer within ten days." And uh, I said, "Well, yeah, sure, I would." And uh, he he said, "Well, could you go this weekend?" I said, "No, I can't go this weekend. We have commitments already, but." You know, we'll work it out. And so we were, I said, but I said, I know that that group up there is looking for a pastor. And I am not looking to pastor. And I don't want to spend their money on me when they could spend it on somebody else. I don't need their money. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, they need people to fill in, too. So I said, okay. I mean, I couldn't say no at that point in time, yeah. right? Because what I'd said to God. Uh, so we worked it out for about a month later. And honestly, it was probably horrible. I heard this like knocking noise the whole time that I was up there speaking, and I realized it was my knees <laughs> afterwards. And because, uh, like I said, I, we could run a church with our hands tied behind our back, but the, the the leading of it and the speaking part of it was a whole nother game. So anyhow, we did that and left. You know, and the funny thing about Terre Haute, Indiana, is that we ended up pastoring there six months later. Wow. <laughs> it didn't take long, but in the spring of that year, I had been with Michelle's brother, Joe Morris. We'd been up in uh, Illinois. He was ministering, and we drove over to that group. They hadn't really formed as a church yet in Terre Haute, but uh, they'd invited him to come over on a Sunday afternoon and speak, so I rode over with him. And Terre Haute had, was economically depressed in the late 80s. They'd had a bunch of industries leave, and they'd gone from like 100000 down to 80000 and you could tell. I mean, it looked like nobody would use a can of paint in about 20 years, and a lot of appliances in the front yard. Mm. Yeah, so it was it was economically depressed, and uh, we came in the west side of town, which was the worst side of town at the time. And uh, on our way driving out that day, I said, how would you like to get called to this dump? <laughs> Boy, you shouldn't say things like that. Yeah. So six months later, we were pastoring there. I mean, after we'd gone up there for the weekend in August, then they called and said, hey, could you come up for, the whole, for a whole month? And I said, well, uh, let me talk to Michelle. And we never even prayed about it one time because we talked about it for about 10 seconds and knew we should, which I thought was a bad sign, <laughs> especially for somebody who wasn't looking to pastor. And we ended up going up for the whole month of October. And, you know, the last Sunday I... It just came down and said, well, okay, we'll throw our name in the hat for the pastor thing. And they said, okay, then, you know, tomorrow will be your tryout Sunday. We did it, drove back to Terra, back to Tulsa, and I never thought a thing about it because I thought there was no way in, you know what, that I'd ever get, they'd ever want me. And so I'm sitting watching a football game on a Sunday afternoon, and a phone rings, and I answer it, and he goes, hello, is this Pastor Grunwald? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, is it? He goes, yeah, we voted 100%. You're the new pastor. When can you come? And honest, I'd never thought that that was going to be a call I'd get. I'd done just about everything you should never do to be enthusiastic about it, and uh, as, which isn't my recommendation for people. But that was part of the underdeveloped personality for some of those things. And so anyhow, we, uh, I talked. I know I just went back and sat and watched football. And a little while later, Michelle came out from the other room. She goes, who called? And I said, oh, that was so-and-so from Terre Haute. They said we're the new pastors and wanted to know when we were coming. 
She's like, oh. And, but I'll have to say this. That experience going up there to pastor was the best experience of our life, you know, up to that point in time. Yeah. It was an amazing group of people that were there, hungry, hungry people. And we still are friends and work with some of those people. They help us with Europe stuff today. I mean, beyond yeah. Europe. One of the guys that we married in that church helps us with a lot of uh, website and uh, data processing or um, database stuff, you know, for all over the world. Wow. And uh, so, and that came out of that church. But we learned a lot, of course. And it was, I didn't understand at the time why I needed to pastor. I knew it was right. Yeah. But then the opportunity came to make a trip to uh, to Germany to teach in, or to um, Sweden and Estonia to teach in two Bible schools. And every year we thought, you know, we still had been praying about Europe all those all these years. And, you know, we'd kind of come to the conclusion, well, maybe we just misinterpreted what we had in our heart. And fine, we don't, we don't move to Europe or go to Europe. We just help people go. Mm. That was great, too. So somebody called and said, hey, would you be willing to teach in a couple of Bible schools over there? And I said, well, we'll pray about it. I said, we ask God every year if, if, if we should take a trip. And every year up till this time, it seemed like he was just shaking his head no. So we did that time, and he didn't shake his head no. So we made a trip. And stopped over in Germany for four days to see our friends Tom and Andrea DeMont. And when we were flying back over uh, the North Atlantic, uh, Michelle and I knew we were going to move to Germany. And just knew it. So we didn't, you know, come back and announce that right away. We were pastoring a church, and you got to deal with that correctly, right? But we ended up moving there and starting a Bible school. And, um, you know, and that had to do with, we wanted to see people trained. And that was that's really, I mean, if you can say we have a passion, it is we want to see people trained and, you know, and a certain portion of that raised up to be leaders in ministry. Yeah, um, exactly. We've seen, when I, got, when I got saved and came into the church, you know, and thinking, okay, I was really expecting more than I found. I was disappointed in the, in the local church that I went to at first because... Mm-hmm. These people were no different than I was, and they'd been saved 30 and 40 years. And I thought, how can you, your life not be different? Why are you still talking the way you talk and dealing with the same things you deal with? And that's the first bad doctrine I got when people were telling me that so-and-so was in a car accident and God did this to him, and you know they made him sick so that they could be in the hospital to witness to somebody. And I thought, who wants to serve a God who puts me in car wrecks and in the hospital? <laughs> I mean, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah. I didn't see that if, if a God is all-knowing and all-powerful, would he do that to his kids? Because I wouldn't. Yeah. So it made no sense to me. It was contradictory. I got kicked out of that church, by the way, because <laughs> I made the mistake of raising my hands, you know, just partway up one day during the song service. They didn't call it worship, I don't think. And that day after church, the elders took me out to lunch. And I thought, gosh, this is great. The elders invite me out to lunch. I'm really moving up in the world. <laughs> I wasn't moving up. I was moving out. And they, they told me that day that uh, after we got ordered our food, they said, now, John, we noticed you raised your hands during the song service today. And I said, yes. And they said, well, we just believe you can raise your hands in your heart. <laughs> and I, I mean, I knew I was, that was a crossroads for me right there, this conversation. I'm 20 years old. And 
I sat there for a second and I said, okay, um, in all honesty, I have no idea what that means. So they tried to explain it, and the longer they talked, the dumber it sounded to me. (laughs) And I then I made the big mistake, and I shared scripture. Well, I didn't realize you weren't supposed to share scripture with the with the elders. And at the end of lunch, they told me that I would probably be more comfortable going to church somewhere else. So I drove away from there, thinking, "Huh, I think I just got kicked out of church, (laughs) and I feel bad for them." Because I knew that it was a crossroads that if I went with what they said, it was going to stop me from growing. And I didn't, I didn't want to stop growing. I knew I was solid on it was okay to raise hands. And it took all the courage I had that day to get them partway up. I was sweating. I felt like I was holding cement blocks, you know, because I knew people were, didn't believe in that there, but I knew it was Bible. Yeah. And, uh, well, so you saw the result of that. And, well, I ended up finding you know another group that was starting, and they were the Charismaniacs. They were on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. And I got to say, I love that group of people. And uh, so, anyhow, we you know we ended up in Germany, and uh, then the people that we had really started that Bible school with didn't want to continue after four or five years, and that was fine. It was a little disappointing, but we knew we were supposed to stay and kept a Bible school going, and. I actually had a, I came down the stairs one morning. We were living in Heidelberg, Germany at the time. I came down and the light was blinking on our recorder fax machine. It had that thermal paper in there, the stuff, you know, that disappears over time. (laughs) You can't keep in your file too long. It's just paper. So I I listened to the recording and it it, it was Pastor Hagen. I thought, (laughs) you know, there's enough people that did impersonations (laughs) of him. That I thought, gosh, that really pastor? Because he said, give me a call. And I thought, this is going to be really embarrassing if I try calling Pastor Hagen. And he didn't call me. And uh, so I, I waited because it, you know, in, in it was very early in the morning in Tulsa yet. So I wouldn't have called anyhow um, in the middle of the night probably. So a little later that day, the phone rings again, and, it, and it's your dad again. I think. <laughs> and I'm waiting to hear snickers in the background or something, you know, that it's somebody pulling my leg. And after about five minutes of being really cautious, I thought, I better just jump into this conversation or he's going to think I'm a complete idiot. So I did. And, of course, it was your dad. And he said, um, hey, next time you're in Tulsa, why don't you uh, give me a holler and we'll go out to lunch? And I'm thinking, I've never had a personal conversation with your dad. Why would he want me to go out to lunch? And I said, Pastor, or, you know, I don't know if he was, was I said, I think you got a lot more important things to do than go out to lunch with me. And uh, he goes, no, I mean it. And we argued about that for a little bit. And I said, okay, next time I come in, we will. And the next time we were coming in was around Thanksgiving. This was probably August because Michelle was pregnant with Gabby, our last child. We have three, two boys, and then Gabby. And she's, she turns, you know, 23 just about now. And, uh, we were going to have her in the U.S. because we had some real insurance issues having Spencer in, in Germany. It was just didn't work really well, and so we decided to have her here. And so we were just going to get an apartment for a couple of months, and I had to go back and forth every two weeks for a couple of months because of stuff that was going on there. But So we went out to lunch with your folks, and we were talking, and, and your dad says, uh, what would you think about turning your school into a Rama? He said that I think you two had been talking about it. Yeah. And I said, why didn't he know you were doing that? And he goes, well, I think Craig and I, we've just been talking about it, and I don't know if he'd be interested. And I said, well, I'm honored. I don't know really what to say at the moment. 
Um, you know, it kind of been one of those deals. You go through something with somebody, and you've been there, bought the T-shirt, and yeah, you know, yeah. you're not sure you want to jump in again. And uh, I don't even know if your dad knows all this story, but I, you know, so I was hesitant. It wasn't that I didn't love Rama. Yeah. I did. And we, after lunch and some other things that happened, you know, we went back to uh, his office and we were talking. He says, well, what do you think? And I said, well, here's what I'll do. I said, I will pray about it. And whatever I believe is best for Germany and for Europe, that's what we'll do. Yeah. And I like talking with your dad and I was straight with him and I think he appreciated that. And I mean, he, we've always had a good relationship because of that. Um, even if he wasn't happy with me, that didn't bother me. <laughs> Because he's, you know, one of the things I love about your dad is that um, he, he'll he say he's sorry if he did something wrong. He's quick to do that, quicker than most people. Yes. And, you know, what people don't realize about him sometimes is he holds nothing against anybody. No alt. Nope. He's, he's amazing that way. So uh, I told him that. And then, you know, we, we went back, you know, eventually, you know, a couple months later, went back to Germany. And we're just doing our thing. And, uh I wasn't sure what to do. You know, I was a little stumped because I didn't, I, I knew if I said yes to this, this was a long-term relationship. And I'd said to pastor that day in his office, I said, pastor, if something goes wrong with this, I know how that works. And I said, this is my family. Yeah. I said, then what do I do? And I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, you know, cause really it's, it's the only family I had. You know, is my, my body of Christ family, which is Rama, And so he said, I understand. And, uh, but anyhow, so it was a long time, months afterwards. And I came down the stairs one day in our house in, in Heidelberg. And I said, okay, God, what about this deal? And he spoke to me in words, you know, kind of the way you wish every time you asked him a question, you heard it. <laughs> but he wasn't happy with me. And, here, and this is exactly what he said. I stopped in my tracks. He said, you're big on your rights and privileges in Christ, but what about my rights and privileges in you? Mm. And I said, okay, I know what to do. And so then we were you know, coming to camp meeting, and I think it was your mom and dad and Joe Dunnick and I were out at lunch. And Joe said something. He says, what about John Raymond? Your dad goes, I don't know. He won't give me an answer. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm sorry about that. You know, I said, I had to kind of go through a process of some thinking here. And, uh, but I said, yeah, we're going to do it. And he said, uh, we're walking toward the elevator of the restaurant. And, uh, cause this was when camp me was downtown yet. And, uh, I said, if we do this, does that mean you want me to start a church? And he said, no hesitation. He said, yes. Mm-hmm. I said, well, if I do, I have to move out of Heidelberg. Because we had helped Tom and Andrea DeMont start their church there. Yeah. And uh, I, that would have been wrong. I said, let me talk to Pastor Tom. And at the time, you know, so we got back to, to Heidelberg and sat down with Tom and said, hey, here's what's happening. And how far away do I need to go to make you comfortable? And he said, two hours. I said, okay. So we drew a two-hour drive circle around Heidelberg, and we never looked inside that circle. That's integrity. We wanted to. We wanted to go to Frankfurt, which was about 45 minutes. That's where the main airport is. It was the easiest place to get to. And um, But he said two hours, so we said okay, and Bonn sat outside of that. It was the, Bonn had been the temporary capital of Germany since World War II, and it was more of an international city at the time. We knew they were already going to move back to Berlin, but um, so we ended up 
choosing Bonn, it seemed like the right place to go, and uh, it took a while to find housing there. It was twice as expensive as Heidelberg, and uh, the houses were all full yet because embassy people were still living in everywhere. And uh, Bonn had the second highest number of embassies in the world next to Washington, D.C. So there was a lot of people there. And uh, so there was a lot of stuff the German government had to do to keep the town vibrant. Deutsche Telekom and Deutsche Post um, ended up moving their headquarters there to help fill in some of the gap of people leaving. And they did a great job of all that. So uh, it was a, it was a good place. And so we moved up there and we started the church in May and started the school in September. And I would never recommend that to anybody. <laughs> um, uh, but it was great. We started school and loved it. And, uh, you know, things grew. And we had to eventually change a little bit how we did it culture-wise from, you know, five days a week to weekends just to stay in business. Yeah. Um, you know, there's I like five days a week school. I like spending that kind of time with students. But people, you know, have jobs and contracts in other parts of the world, and they can't just leave. Yeah, it doesn't work as well, and so it's kept us in business all these years, and it's worked well. But in the, for for our listeners, let, let me kind yeah. of explain them. Rainbow Valley Training College here in the, in USA, um, we are a five day a week school, like most schools. We actually three hours a day. That way, you can still work a work a job as well. And so, but our other campuses around the world, we kind of let. Every campus decide what's best for their country or best, for, you know, for the, for them. And and so if you're thinking about coming to Rama, Rama USA, it's rbtc.org, um, and um, you can learn more about Rama. But um, around the world, we actually we have night school, we, we have weekend school, we have you know all kinds of different mm-hmm. things. I'll let John talk more about that. And also, you know, John, you, you should um, give some websites because there are people yeah. around the world yeah. listening. You know, maybe from. from from Europe, Asia, I mean, well, Europe, Africa, Asia, yeah. all over the place. Um, but, you know, pr- primarily for, for Europe. Yeah. Um, you can find us on the rbtc.org or the rhema.org site. You know, both of those work. You can find the international part. Or rhema.eu also has all those sites, too. Um, we have one for Africa in there, and I wish I could tell you the web address for that off the top of my head. But you can find that on the rhema.eu one also. Yeah, I think you're right, rbtc.org. There's a tab for international schools. Yeah, for schools. all the international schools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you can find it either place. And uh, it's, yeah, the rhema.eu one's an easy one to find, too. There's We have less on that site. Yeah, so, yeah sometimes rhema site gets a little confusing. Yeah. Well, there's more going on right here than we have on the rhema.eu site. It's the rhema.eu site is mostly just for the schools. Yeah. Um, and, you know, today now, our our duties kind of morphed over time. Tony and Patsy Caminetti had kind of overseen RMAI in, in Europe in the beginning when they were living in Italy. And now then they ended up moving to Singapore and eventually Australia. And so uh, your mother at the time asked if we would take over that part. And it became Rhema Europe. And so then we help facilitate, oversee the Ramas that are there. We help the leaders there. Um, I think we have 30, is it 32 or 36 campuses in Europe now? And uh, about 20 or so in Africa. And the Middle East is, you know, really starting. And there's a lot of things we don't say about that live. Uh, but uh, it's it's growing. And, you know, yeah. here's something interesting that... Our student numbers grew 
by 10% from March of 2020 to November of 2020. <laughs> yeah. We went from 4,500 to over 5,000 students in that region of the world. So it didn't scare people away. We yeah. had to make some adjustments quick and all that kind of thing, but people didn't stop joining school. Yeah. And, and the ones that did said this was their lifeline. And when, yeah. when other places you know, couldn't meet and we could uh, and or we had to do some stuff online, uh, then we went back to meeting in person, and now they got it all shut down again. So we're online, but, but they have been thrilled with that, that we've stayed going. And yeah. uh, it's the testimonies we've had out of that are tremendous, uh, yeah. but from that whole region. So then I think it was, you know, in 2009, we started the task force with you, yeah. Craig, and uh, Dean Tad here, at, who's the dean of Ramey USA, and then Joe Dunnick, who was, you know, the missions director, runs the School of World Missions here. And I think you came back one day with the idea um, we had talked about splitting the world up into six different zones, and you had talked, I think, with your dad, and yeah. he felt more comfortable with three at the moment. And uh, well, a lot of it was personnel, and also yeah. being able to come back here and have meetings too, because yep. obviously you're you're here a lot, and we can yep. have you know. I, he he likes you know Zoom now is, is more more common than it used to be, but you know he likes the face to face meetings, which I understand, and I prefer those too, especially yeah. when you're talking about th some of the things that we do. Yeah, even um, with the task force, we don't really ever do those by Zoom. We could, and there's some yeah. things maybe we should, but we all like to we like to meet too yeah. uh, when we talk about things, and so you know that grew, and then uh, you know from just Europe to Africa and the Middle East. And, and I would just say this again, that nobody does that by themselves. That's, yeah. that's a team of people and, and good teams of people. I think here's an interesting statistic that we looked up last year. We were trying to figure out how many people really help make Rama Rama around the world. Because we currently have, you know, between 16 and 18,000 students every month going to Rama around the world which I think is still a drop in the bucket for what we can do. Yeah. Uh, but we wanted to know how many people it took. So we, we surveyed all the RAMAs around, you know, for people that are either paid and or volunteer their time. And this doesn't, encounter, doesn't include partners who help send money and to support people like me out there on the mission field or whatever. But we came up with almost 7,000 people either work or volunteer their time to see that RAMA happens around the world. Wow. Yeah. And you go to places like we were doing a graduation early uh, or maybe it was in the fall of 2019 in Switzerland. And when we were leaving that night, um, there was a young lady, you know, out. She'd been kind of one of the greeters and uh, she spoke English well. and She wanted to speak to us in English. And so she was just saying... I love Rama. It changed my life. She goes, I want to work with Rama. And I loved her enthusiasm because I thought that's exactly the way we were 40 years ago. Mm, yeah. Same type. And I said, well, you know, let's find a way for you to do that. You know, you volunteer, do whatever you can to help. And so there's still people all over the world, just like we were in the fall of 1979, 1980, that are coming to Rama now and feel the exact same way about help making it something uh, even bigger than it is. We think um, that what the product that we have here is, it's not just life-changing, but it's something that should be in every nation of the world. 
So yeah. our idea is we're going to keep poking into all these nations unless God says don't. Right. You know, then he knows something we don't, and it could be timing or it could be forever. I don't know, and there's another way in. But other than that, we're just going to keep working on expansion into all these countries uh, until we get done what we're supposed to do. Um, and, you know, one, one thing I always say is that, you know, here at Raymond, we train visionaries. And, and I know there, there are certain graduates who came from here, you know, and, and they want to not open just one campus. They want to open multiple campuses, sometimes even multiple countries, yeah. because they're so excited about what God has done for their life. And, and they want to see that, you know, happen to, to their nation and other surrounding nations that, that are around them. And, and it's, it's so exciting. And some people, you, you've thought... There's no way that person can run a campus. I mean, you know, they have thriving campuses, you know, and it's so amazing how how, how God can take, well, obviously you said God took you. So if he can take he can you take and, me and take anybody. And take anybody and, and, well, you know, it's like Paul we were talking about in class today. He, he acknowledged God put me in the ministry. Mm-hmm. God enabled me. Yeah. He gave me grace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he counted me faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that can be anybody. Well, some people have, they just have a gift to speak uh, on stage, preach or teach, sing. I have none of those. I had to work at every one of them to, to get better at it. And I'm definitely, I'm, I'm what I would call a conversational teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a term like that, but that's. Well, we, you know, you brought that up. We just actually talked about that yesterday in my preaching class. Huh. Uh, you know, their conversational preaching. I mean, it is a skill. It is a thing, yeah. Well, that's, I, and that was difficult for me because when I was younger, I didn't see people like that as mm-hmm. much. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at Brother Hagen. You know, I had the uh, amazing opportunity to sit under him for 25 years. Well, then when you get out, you try and compare yourself with him, which is impossible, mm-hmm. right? And, and I know that. But still, you look at yourself and him and you think, and I'm a complete dud compared to him. And the way he functioned and flowed and everything else, because, I mean, he changed my life. The words mm-hmm. that he had, the life, the commitment that he had, the dedication. I mean, I'd never met anybody like that before. Never seen anybody like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, that was that was a big impact on my life. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and you know, something that, that always kind of back of my mind is, when Raymond Bible Training College started, my grandfather was 59 years of age. <laughs> I know. That's scary. I mean, you know, and so his most productive years were after 59. And yeah, here mm-hmm. I'm sitting at 51. I'm thinking, well, you know, obviously God has many more things that he wants me to do and wants yeah. me to accomplish. Yeah. You know, but I have some of my friends that are same age or maybe a little older than I am. And they're like, man, I can't wait to retire. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know. Uh, most of my friends are. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, and I think that that's kind of, um, you know, God has a, a bigger purpose than for you just to retire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think sometimes there are some people, maybe some of our listeners out there think, well, I'm a little older. You know, I'm not 21 or I'm not 22. You know, you know, does God have a plan for me? And But God does have a plan for you. And, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter if you start out at 59 or 69 mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's, you know, you know, that's the great thing about Rainbow. We have students, you know, not just on campus at USA, but all over the world that are a little older. Yeah. You know, and they're, you know, I could say making a career change. And some of them have retired and decided, you know, I'm tired of doing what I was doing. Now I want to do something for God. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of amazing to see that here, you know, here on campus here. And I know other campuses yeah. Yeah. all around the world. Well, some of us are slow starters, but stronger finishers. <laughs> and that's always been who I was. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I, I don't, um, 
You know, if you do the 16 personality uh, profile, there's there's a lot of good ones out there. And we just did this recently with some of our teams. And so I did it again and I was reading through there and it it's um, it, it my particular personality really shies away from any public attention. It's almost painful to us and to some people. They love it. Right. Some of us don't. Um, so, again, it's responsibility to step out, stand up where you are, even if you don't feel like there's a particular gift, it doesn't mean you're not called to something. Right. Yeah. And that, I think that's been misinterpreted a lot. Uh, when I first got saved that very first summer, some of my friends said, okay, on Friday nights, we go out, uh, we go downtown and we witness to people. I was like, you do what? <laughs> Talk to people. Talk to people, yeah. Uh, people you don't know about things you don't know very much about. I said, you're just like it's a horror movie for me. And But I knew it was a good thing. And, I mean, usually yeah. by Wednesday afternoon I had sweat rings already thinking about Friday night. And when Friday night was over, I felt good until about Monday, until I thought we're going to have to go back out on that street again. But it was good for me. Yeah. And I read this, I was, you know, made the mistake of continuing to read my Bible. And I was reading one day in Proverbs 28, I think it is, in verse 1, and it says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous, they are bold as a lion. And I was reading it, it was like God was just putting the brakes on, like, read that again. You know, I didn't hear him say that. It just seemed like I should. Read it again, read it again. And I went, oh, no. I said, are you saying I'm the righteous, which means I'm as bold as a lion? And that's when I heard him speak to me as a young Christian. And he said, never call yourself timid again. Mm -hmm. And that was part of developing a personality. Yeah. Um, years, some years ago, in, when we're living in Bonn, I'm in the shower one morning, and I'm not thinking about anything. It's a great thing about the shower, right? <laughs> and I hear this. On the inside, I'm going to give you four scriptures that I use to develop your personality. Now, that would be four different ones for different personalities. Yeah. But I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting because I don't know what he's talking about. And went back to Proverbs 28.1 and some other ones that helped develop me to, to pull me out of that shell that I yeah. lived in. So, you know, I think the devil lies to everybody. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not whatever enough. You don't have enough gifts, talents, whatever. And yet God has something for every single person who's breathing to yeah. be a part of what he's doing and building the church on the earth today. You know, I, I think that's just, you know something that's also very awesome is that there are some, some of our, our schools, and if it wasn't for the team behind them, yeah. they wouldn't be that successful. Yeah. You know, and not always everyone knows the, the team's name. Yeah. You know, they might know this certain individual in our directors or whatever, but but there's always there's a team. And, you know, I know that there's some people there might be some graduates out there that want to be a member of one of those teams over in Europe or Africa or, or the Middle East. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do they do that, John? I mean, I mean, well, get a hold of you or yeah, get a little Monica or they, they could. And we don't mind talking to anybody How we uh, even in our Grunewald Ministries newsletter sometimes. Yeah, that's we, something else. You do have Grunewald Ministries. And, uh, right. tell, tell about the email address if you want to support John yeah, that, and Michelle and things that they do. That's easy. It's Grunewald.org, and you're saying, yeah, easy. How do you spell Grunewald? G-R-U-N-E-W-A-L-D. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we lived in Germany, everybody said Grunewald. Didn't ever have to spell your name. Yeah. It means green forest in German. and. Uh, but so, yeah, because we are, I mean, we're different than some people, you know, that some people think I, I'm an employee of Rhema. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm a supported missionary from Rama, but I'm not an employee of Rama. So we've had to raise support all these years. And I'm happy about that, by the way. I, lo I love this relationship. Um, what Rama has done around the world is unique, I think, because it's a partnership with 7,000 plus people. Yeah. yeah. It's not employees. Sometimes people say, well, why doesn't Rama pay you? And I said, well, how are they going to pay 7,000 people? Who yeah. does that? I said, we all believe in, in that our part in building the church and having these Bible schools fits together. We're all called to do it. So we find a way to make it work. Yeah. And we're happy about it. Yeah. But uh, so in our, in our newsletter, every now and then we'll put, you know, if you want to join the team, let us know. And every now and then somebody that gets that does. And we've been able to, they, they might work somewhere else in the United States. And if they have a skill that is we can plug in somewhere or they can be a part of a team, uh, we do that. We find a way. Um, it's not always easy. Um, we've got some people that just say, hey, I think maybe I could pray. And yeah. we'd say, so we send them something once a month that they can pray with us about. Um, but if they live in the other countries, you know, if they're in Germany, for instance, then you can sure get a hold of... Uh, RamaGermany.de, um, or you can go to the Rama.eu site again and find any of the campuses there and let them know you want to be a part. Um, I can say this. I don't think there's a Rama around the world that wouldn't appreciate some more partnership, right. either by skills, prayer, or finances. It, it takes money to do everything we're doing. I mean, we have a book project in Europe that we call the Greater European Greater Europe Book Project, which is 25 of Brother Hagen and Pastor Hagen's books in all 33 language zones. That's 825 titles. That's a lot of work. And the average book costs about $10,000 to do because of translation, editing, uh, printing 2,000 copies. Um, so that's... You know, we're over halfway done with that, and we want to finish it by 2030. Yeah. But you're talking a couple more million bucks to do it. But it's worthwhile because these books change lives. And, yeah. and one of the most important things is, is to get those books out there, especially when we're going to try to start a training center or training college yes. in that area. We, we need some curriculum. Yep. You know, it's, you know, so we try to get the books there. And, and it's so amazing just, you know, like, talk about some of our, our newer campuses, especially over in Europe that, mm -hmm. that we have going on or some, some things that are on the, that we're, we're working on. Yeah. I mean, we, now Poland is an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, we, we were supposed to start it well over a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then some of these issues happened and we, we couldn't get there. And also, the legal process took longer there, and you can't no. even put up a website until you have your legal entity in place. Yeah, you know, so you find out things like that in countries, and we got all that done now. We are ready to go. Uh, all we need to do is get a few people back there, and yeah. we'll, we'll start school in Poland. And we have a very good relationship with the uh, people who run TBN there in Poland. It's a very unique station. Yeah. And uh, they're helping us advertise. And so that's great. It'll give us a head start there. We got some other, you know, we're looking at all through Eastern Europe, starting campuses as soon as we can. Yeah. Build uh, some places we have the relationship, some places we need to go in and build them. Um, but we, we're, we've started, trans. we've got all the books translated in Hungarian now. And that's one of the great ones. You know, usually we don't get all 25 of these books done before we start a campus. Yeah. But we had the right people in Hungary to do it. We're starting the book translation up in Armenia again. 
they've had some war issues here uh, in 2020, and that slowed things down for a lot of them. They had to shut a lot of things down in their country. But there's a good team over there that translated some books years ago of Brother Hagen's. And so we're going to do that again. And the interesting thing about Armenia is there are people from some of the other Middle Eastern countries that can come and go to school there. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we're, you know, there's stuff happening in, like say, we don't always name the countries in the Middle East. Middle East, yeah. Africa's great, growing, good people there leading all of that. And so it's, it's all going very well. Amen. You know, you know, Rama's all over the world, and it, I mean, I guess we're two hundred and sixty something. Something yeah. it changes. Yeah, it changes. You know, approved campuses because yeah. you know sometimes, like I said, it, it takes a few years to actually get one off the ground. <clears throat> you know, once we actually uh, mm-hmm. approve the campus, and we're so excited about, you know, that we're able to train men and women around the world to go around the world. We used to, right, we used to say we're training them to go around the world. Now we're training them around the world. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's so exciting to see the, the amount of churches that have been started by our Rama graduates around mm-hmm. the world. And, you know, we've, we're having a, a huge impact. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and it, you know, obviously it's the world that we live in right now. is pretty crazy. Yep. And, um, you know, it, it's so awesome to have, have that impact, but also, you know, that camaraderie, you know, because sometimes whenever you're in one of these other countries, you feel like you're you're by yourself, and you know, but you're you're not by yourself, and you know, um, mm-hmm. there's there's so many other people that that yeah. are there for you and and pulling for you and and things like that, and that's a great thing about social media now, where, where we can you know contact yeah. each other social media wise, and you know, and sometimes it, it's interesting to hear some of our our RMAI pastors here in in the U.S. are like. Well, how how are you guys so close knit around the world? And I don't know that we feel that way, but but we try to yeah. communicate. And, uh, we do, and, and we are close knit around the world. And I haven't been to every Rama Bible Training College campus on the planet, but I've been to quite a few countries. And you know what? It feels the same in every one. Yeah, I've only been to a couple, but it's it's that camaraderie that, that Craig said, that family, mm-hmm. the message, the mandate, the DNA. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's strong. Not perfect, but strong. And uh, there's hardly anybody that goes that doesn't want to see it replicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that that's, that's our goal. And I know when we started, the, you know, the task force, you know, many years ago, our goal was, was to make sure that Rama was Rama no matter where Rama is. Mm-hmm. You know, because we are one. We're, we're one family together. And yeah. we're, we're, we have a common goal. And really our common goal started in 1950 when, when Brother Hagen got the message to yeah. go teach my people faith. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what we endeavor to do, you know, today. You know, but we obviously are trying to teach to this generation. And sometimes, you know, things are a little bit different. Um, the schools in, 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 you know, are a little bit different in different countries because we try to tailor it to to their culture and, and, and to what fits for, you know best yeah. for them. But like I said, if you're listening out there and you don't know, you know what God's plan is for your life, Raymond Bible Training College would be a great place, rbtc.org. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can find you know, rhema.eu, find out about what's going on all around the world. But, and, you know, it's a great thing to be a part of. I mean, yeah. uh, your grandfather, Brother Hagen, he used, he used to say, the sun never sets on a Raymond graduate preaching the gospel yeah. somewhere in the world. Well, now we're at the point, John, and you've said it before, that the sun never sets 
on a regular <laughs> student being trained mm-hmm. somewhere in the yeah. world. And, you know, it is amazing because John was talking about um, praying for, for Europe, and I remember those those times. And, you know, it's so good. I know, I know obviously, you've been in many countries, but, you know, when I was um, in um, Rama, Albania, and you're, you're taking a visit of all, you know, and you're learning about their culture and all of the, all the stuff that they were going through yeah. during the time we were praying. Yeah. I mean, all this, the yeah. communism and all, all the, you know, the, the, the people who were trying the Christians of that day that, that they were, you know, you know, to, to be a Christian was, was to, to have your life in your own hands and, yeah. and things. And, and you're thinking about, you know, during those times we were praying, mm. Mm-hmm. And prayer changes things. And obviously, yeah. when we begin to to pray for the for the wall to come down, you know, people thought we were crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know people are like, well, that could never happen. You know, we, we could ne- we could never open those countries. And and not only are the countries open, and not only do we have Rayma graduates ministering, we have Rayma schools. You know, in some of those countries yep. now, and and it's so amazing. You know what God's doing all around the world, and you know. And maybe, you know, it's interesting too, like, so, you know, your background, John, how you're like thinking, well, how am I, well, I mean, you know, if God would have told you at 22 before you came, you know, when you showed up first, you know, first day, first year, this is what God's going to do in your life. You would have, you would have, like, there's, there's no way. You ran. No, I, I sat in the back of the classroom as it was because uh, I wasn't sure what Rhema really was. I can remember driving down on I-70 through Kansas thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, I'm going, I'm going to this Bible school. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I don't do stuff like that. I'm yeah. a planner, and you know, I, don't, I don't do spontaneous things without planning them. So when I, <laughs> yeah. when I got to Rhema, we didn't have assigned seating in those days. And that happened after our year for good reason. Uh, I think too many accidents of people running in the halls and throwing Bibles. And, but I sat in the back of the classroom, and, and uh, it didn't take long, and I started moving up. Yeah. And I ended up sitting next to Tim Rogers and Michelle. I, oh, thought, really? I thought they were dating at the time because <laughs> they were sitting next to each other, but they weren't. And, uh, you know, so we've been, you know, Tim, Ro- Tim and Rhonda uh, run Raymond, Mexico, and help oversee the uh, part of the Americas with Dean Tad now. And, but we've been friends from since yeah. 1979 with them, so it, it's a great family. And one of our uh, one of the graduates from Latvia who came to the U.S. I don't know if you remember Adrian's Adrian's. You probably yeah. would have said here. Yeah. Um, he was taking a class with us recently on some leadership stuff, and he uh, he asked me this question when we were on Zoom one day, and he said. Okay, he says, I understand, you know, when you look back at what how Rama started and the visions that Brother Hagen had and all that, he goes, have other denominations had these two? I said, I don't know. I said, that's a good question. I said, if they did, it doesn't appear they stayed true to it. And I said, that's a fight that we fight every day is to stay true to parts of who we are because there's a reason for it and and it's the word base but i said it's a great question i said somebody should probably do their doctoral thesis on that very thing (laughs) not me uh but it's it's a good question but i think so it goes back to the what you said about the communication around the world and even with a task force that's been one of our goals is to keep it as close to what it is supposed to be as possible yeah yeah I mean, you know, that's like I said. It's, we, we say here at Raymond, it's not about a man. I mean, if you want to say it is about a man, it's, it's about Jesus Christ, not not about a man, Brother Hagen. 
but it's not a man date. It's, a, it's a woman date now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a man date and a woman date. Yeah. Yeah. That's another subject. Yeah. From, from I'm sorry. Another, I shouldn't have brought that podcast, up. You know. Amen. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> a woman. But, yeah. you know, it's about a man date to go teach my people faith, yeah. and that's yeah. what we endeavor to do. Well, uh, that's all the time we have for today, you know. But here at Rama, we're bringing hope, help, help and, and healing, healing to, to the world. world.